You can take your seat. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the music this morning. It's always good to serve the Lord. We've got a better life because of that. There's nothing in this life that makes sense outside of Christ. Without Christ, nothing matters. This morning, as we continue through the Word of God, I want you to turn in your Bibles, first of all, to John chapter 5, verse 29. And we're going to look at the resurrection that Jesus Christ is talking about. We follow Jesus because we want to see how He reacts in a situation, and that impacts us so much that we apply that to our lives. And that's how we grow as Christians. That's how we grow in faith. When we come into a situation in the Word of God, you will find Jesus has gone through a situation like that. Look at verse 29, John 5:29. He says, Jesus, he says, Do not marvel at this. Do not marvel. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice. Now that's a powerful voice. Would you agree? When all who are in the graves, who are dead, will hear His voice. You know, somebody once said to me, I will escape from Christ. And I said, there's no way that you will be ever, ever be escaping from Him. You might live your life now as you want to, but one day, listen to this, dear friend, you will bow your knees before Him. His voice will call you even, even from the grave. These are the words. And come forth. Now look at verse 29. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now that's our verse I want to stand on this morning. We're going to go back and we're going to go through Jesus' first words, but this is the main thing I want to discuss this morning. I want to talk about these resurrections. The first resurrection he talks about is for the people who has done good. Be careful here. This is not good works. Giving out alms, giving away all your money, or even giving away your life and say, because I've done all of these good things, man, I'm going to be having the resurrection of life. I'm going to be in heaven. It's not what you do, the acts what you do before the cross that matters. Listen carefully. It is the acts after the cross that matters. We're going to address that. So what works is he talking about now? Just quickly in your Bible, it's the same uh, Gospel of John. Just flick over to John chapter 6. I just want to add this in here to explain to you what he means by these works. Now, look at John chapter 6. It's not on the board, so you'll have to follow in your Bible. In verse 26, he says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes. And that's what all we do, if you work. But for the food which endures for everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Now look at verse 28. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? That's a good question, would you say? I mean, we're talking here about those who have done good to the resurrection of life. What is the good he's talking about? What is the works of God? Well, Jesus answered it himself. Look at the next verse. He says it right there. He says in verse 29, John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the works or the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent. Listen, the first work that you do is the work of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the work. And that's why I say, so many people do so many good things before the cross. Oh, they, they work tirelessly, they give up their time, they give away money, they, give, they do a lot of things. They put themselves in harm's way in many times. Then we find the cross. If you do all of those works, it means nothing. Our best, best works is like a filthy rag, the Bible says. But once we come to the cross and we submit to the cross, we bow to the cross, we believe in Jesus Christ. And listen to this, is important. We confess our sins to God because we're a sinner born in sin. If you do those good works before the cross, it's good works born in sin. But once we come to the cross and we accept Jesus Christ, He saves our souls There is good works after the cross. It doesn't mean now that I've given my heart to the Lord, I'm sitting back in my comfy chair and go, Woo! I've made it! Hey bro, high five, I've made it! No, it doesn't work like that. There is an awesome responsibility to you once you get saved. Because within you, you are carrying the message, the good news. And this is what he's talking about. If you have done good, First of all, salvation to the resurrection of life. And then he says, and to those who have done evil, who have done evil, that is giving yourself over to the evil things in the world. And let me tell you this, that sin breeds evil. Yes? I'm not asking you, I'm telling you that. You open up your newspapers and you see the evils in the world and that's bred by a sinful nature. That is bred by what you are born into this world due to the sin that came from the Garden of Eden. No man is born good. No, no. Man, as soon as it's born, David says in the book of Psalms, they go astray speaking lies. But we have to come to the cross. Otherwise, it will breed evil. And those ones to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, I'll just pick this one out for you quickly to give you an explanation of the word. This comes from the Greek word krisis. Krisis. And, and let me tell you, it is where we find our word crisis from. Friend, when you're going to be part of the second resurrection, this resurrection, it is totally a crisis for you. If you want to talk about a crisis, talk about this crisis. This means damnation, judgment, or condemnation. Can you see the two resurrections? These are in Jesus' own words. 
And that's what we're going to unpack in a few moments. But for now, let's just quickly uh, remind you why John is writing this gospel. In John chapter 20 verse 30, and you would have known over the time he's studying through the book of John that I've repeated it so many times, but I can't repeat it enough. Why is John writing this gospel? He says in that verse, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in His name. He says, I've written these things for you by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. People say these days they believe in Jesus. They say, yes, we believe there was a Jew who walked on this earth. And yes, we believe the historical books tells about a man who died on a cross. But that's all it is for them. It's a man. It's a Jew. Somebody said to me once, are you still following that Jew who hang on the tree? And I said, yes, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. I still follow Him. Because you see a man, I see God. You see a man, I see the Messiah. You see a man, I see the Son of God. You see a man, I see the Son of Man. The one who's the link between heaven and earth. That's who I see. But this is in the words of everybody else. Now we need to understand that we need to believe the Word of God if we think it is true. Listen, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. He says to him, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. You have known the Holy Scriptures. Why is it so important? Because that points us towards Christ. That's not pointing us towards a man, but it points us towards the Messiah. He says, Timothy, you've known it from, from when you childhood. Are you studying your word? Are you like Timothy, knowing the Holy Scriptures? And then he continues, he says, which are able, which are able, listen to this, to make you wise for salvation. For salvation through faith in which is in Christ Jesus. Remember when Jesus in John chapter 6, that verse that I've just read to you, when he turned to him, he says, this is the work of God, what? To believe in Him whom He have seen. You see, I love the Word of God. The Word backs the Word. I don't have to have another person's book here to explain it to you. It's self-explanatory. He says, Timothy... From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. And why is it so important, Timothy? Because it makes you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever you see Christ before the name Jesus, it talks about Him in heaven. And in Peter, when you read through the first part of the uh, chapter 1, of 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about, though we do not see Him, we believe in Him. We don't see Jesus around us, do we? No, He's been taken up. I know you're going to say, yes, we see Him in the other people, yes. But do you see Him physically now? No. But still we believe in Him, Peter says. And here He says the same thing, Christ Jesus. All Scripture, he writes, then is given by inspiration of God. The Greek for that word inspiration is the word breathe. <sighs> 
He says all scripture, everything you read in the Bible is briefed by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen to him when he writes here in the last part of Timothy 1 chapter 3 verse 16. He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Listen to this. God was manifested in the flesh. His name was Jesus Christ. It is God with us. He's not only a prophet. He's not just a man. He's the Messiah. You say, why do you go on about that so in today's study? Well, dear friends, we're going to listen now to Him. His very own words. From the start of the book of John, the Gospel of John, we've had John writing these things down. It was eyewitnesses of everybody else. But now, when the Pharisees comes to him and wants to talk about the Sabbath and about, you know, equaling himself with God, they want to kill him. Now, he himself, Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, is now going to talk to us. Do you think it's really great to hear his words? I think it's fantastic. Now we come to our study in John 5. He says, verse 16, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. You remember that's the bath of Bethesda which I just talked about. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. That's what religion does. It's got a lot of laws. If you break the law, then you need to be punished. But Jesus answered them, He says, my father has been working until now and I have been working. And man, I can just see how infuriated they became. Instead of sitting down and saying, let's have a debate about the Sabbath. Let's sit down and study or look at the Old Testament Scriptures and look at when David went into the temple and took the showbreads and started. Instead of getting into a debate when the high priest stands up, makes his point, Jesus stands up, makes his point, then one of the disciples, then one of these. Instead of having a debate, he goes out straight away and he says, look, the Father has been working until now and I've been working. What is he doing? He is comparing him with the Father. In fact, he's telling them, I'm equal with the Father. And that infuriates them. It really infuriates them. Therefore, the Jews, these leaders, sought all the more to kill Him. All the more. Because He not only broke the Sabbath, but He also said that God was His Father and making Himself equal with who do you think you are? There's two accusations here. He did this on the Sabbath. And they would stand on the Scriptures. Remember when I said, oh, they think they were doing God's work. And so a lot of people think if they can just quote a Scripture here and quote a Scripture there, they, oh, I'm doing God's work because I quote a Scripture. Or I've got a title. You know, priest so-and-so, or evangelist so-and-so, or dare I say, the self-proclaimed apostle so-and-so. People think if they can proclaim these things, they are doing God's work. These guys can say, look in Exodus chapter 31 verse 14, it's written right there, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, uh, for it's holy to you, everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. This is why we're going to kill you. You did it on the Sabbath. 
And then also, the other accusation is he made himself equal with God. They said it themselves. Leviticus 24, and look, there's so many other verses. I'm just speaking to you out. Leviticus 24, 16. And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him. They've already judged him. And the penalty was already death. We're going to kill him. Now, what is Jesus' reaction? Oh, sorry, guys, you know, oh, sorry, you know. Let's be politically correct here. There's no political correctness in the Word of God. He says it like it is. And when He says it, it is said. I love Jesus' reaction. Two things we're going to look at quickly this morning. Christ is equal with the Father. He's going to say it Himself. And secondly, we're going to look at the threefold resurrection. First of all, Christ is equal with the Father in works. This is Jesus' words. Listen to what he says. He says in those words, he says, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore they sought all the more to kill him, because he's not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. He's equaling himself with the Father in his works that he's doing. Can you see that? Verse 24, the Father loves the Son and show Him all the things that Himself does and He will show Him much greater works than these that you may marvel. Wow! For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. Who's this Jesus you are following? Who's this man you are following? I will tell you He is. He is equal with the Father. He is God. Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? That is what the Bible teaches. He's not just mere a prophet. He's not just a man. He is the Son of God. He is God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And He is God. And He came and He lived amongst us. He compares Him with the Father. He says, the Father has been working until now. You are worried about the laws, about Sabbath. Do you honestly think that the Father is sitting back on a Sabbath and do nothing? Let me tell you, it will be dangerous if God does that. Who holds this world up? Come on. Do you think it's us, mankind? Oh, we're going to fix the global warming, mankind? Who do you think you are? You're a created being. We're talking about the Creator here. El Gore, who do you think you are? Oh, we're going to fix the things in the world. There's only one who can fix the things in the world and He is Jesus Christ and the Father and, and the Holy Spirit. That's all that can fix the problems in the world. Oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to build ourselves a city and we're going to call it that. Oh yeah? Go to the Old Testament and see what God did. He confused their languages and they split all over. God has been working all the time. 
God never sleeps nor slumbers. He says it there in Psalm, doesn't he? Psalm 121, when he talks about his nation. He looks after you. Listen, you need to sit here today and take comfort in that. When you're going to bed tonight to sleep, God never sleeps nor slumbers. Oh, you've got a problem in your life, you say? Listen to me, the answer is Jesus. The Father has been working until now. If, if God stops working, you'll see more chaos. In fact, in one second that God stops working in this world, we'll be all dead. Your next heartbeat is dependable on Him. Oh, what? What do you say? Look, the heart is so one. Let's get a doctor in here. Who do you think you are, John Shipman, talking about this nonsense? You not even don't know how the heart works. Yes, and you're right. But I know how God works. This heart beats on itself. Yes, I know God made it like that. Praise the Lord. So that I don't have to sit here and press my finger every single second to go on. He does it. But you know what? If God decides it's your last hour, then it is your last hour. It's your last second, then it is your last second. He's been working all the time. He didn't care whether it's a Sabbath or a Monday or whatever days it is. He works. You are worried because I told this man to pick up his bed and go? You should have seen the wonders of God, the miracle of God. But you are so into your own religion and your own laws and you want to work it out. I better hurry on. Man, I can, can you see how I can continue on and on about how he works? And then he says, whatever he does, the Father does, the Son does in like manner. And then he says this one. He says, the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so... The Son gives life to whom He will. What life is He talking about? He's talking about the resurrection of the dead into the life in the spiritual sense. Do you know that we all were born dead? Oh, that sounds so crazy. We are all born dead. What are you talking about? I'm alive. No, no. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. But He's got the power to make you alive. No one else. There's not many roads that lead to Rome. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. So he's equal to the Father in works. And then he continues on. He's equal to the Father in judgment. You might find this surprising. He says in John 5:22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Wow! <laughs> I want you to think. The facial expressions of these Pharisees, these Jews, when he said that. Can you imagine? Who do you think you are? Hey, we are the big wigs here, not you. We are the clever people here. We are the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. Who do you think you are? You, to, to tell us that the Father judges no, but committed all judgment to the Son. In other words, you... I love it. It is a big statement that he's making. All judgment lies with the Son. You will appear before the Son. Listen, I don't care who you follow, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Muhammad, 
Whether it's which other name you want to put in there. I know one thing for sure. You're going to come one day and bow to Jesus Christ and commit with your tongue. You're going to confess that He is Lord. And then judgment will come upon you from Him. The one who they killed will judge them. And it's not me saying that. Look at this point. If you get cross with me saying that, get cross with God. I'm the messenger. He says, commitment of all to the Son. That puts it in a big equality with the Father. Not only am I doing all the Father is doing, but I'm judging like the Father is judging. Then he's also equal with the Father in honor. John chapter 3, 5 verse 23, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. He says, look, the same honor that belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. So he puts himself in equal in God's honor. Why am I highlighting this out? Because, friend, you, again, again, you are not just following and worshipping a man. You're following Jesus Christ. There's more to it than what you thought you knew. He's equal with the Father. He's God. Then somebody goes on with just saying, he's part of my posse, he's part of my gang, of my group. No, no, no. I think I've said it to you before, I want to repeat it. When you and I look at our level, there are people more cleverer than us, more stronger than us, who's got more wits about them than us. But when God looks at His level, there's nobody. God is God alone. He doesn't need you and me to be God. And the same with Jesus Christ. He's equal with the Father in honor. I just can imagine how these Pharisees looked at him. They were already cross because he did it on the Sabbath. The people are already looking at them. What are you guys going to do? And then he comes and he equals him in works, in judgment, and in honor with the Father. No wonder, no wonder they all the more sought to kill him. And you and I are his followers. No, we are his children. And you know what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, they persecute me, what are they going to do? They're going to persecute you. They're going to persecute you. You're going to be killed for that. All the more. All the more. We are heirs of the Father. We are joint heirs with the Son. That's why the world is persecuting you. I mean, you stand up today on a stage and you see anything even blasphemous against the Word of God and the media won't even touch you. You stand up and you make a proclamation in the name of Jesus Christ and they all condemn you. Yes? It's the same thing that's happened. But He is making a declaration here. He says, I'm equal with the Father. You don't know what you're dealing with. Now, Let's continue into the last part of this message and look at the resurrections because Jesus continues on with this. First of all, we see a resurrection of dead sinners. In John chapter 5 verse 24, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes, you see, he believes in him whom sent me has everlasting life. This is a very important passage here. And shall not come into judgment. 
He who hears my word and believes in him, in Jesus Christ, whom he sent, that's Jesus. What happens to that person? He shall not come into judgment. It's so clear. I don't have to explain that. You believe in Jesus Christ, you get saved by him, then there will be no judgment upon you. But has passed from death into life. Wow. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has, himself, has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself, and has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. What resurrection of the dead is Jesus talking about here? It's a good question, isn't it? He says it right there. He who hears my word, uh, believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life. And he shall not come into judgment. You see, what Jesus is talking about here, is he's talking about what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is talking about. He's talking about those people who were born into Adam in a sinful nature before the cross. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, and you he made alive. You see, that's what I said. We are walking corpses. We are walking dead. The walking dead. That's who we are before we come to the cross. Yes, it's like zombies. (laughs) It's out in the world now. It's the bus world in the world now, isn't it? You're a zombie before you come to the cross. That's what he's talking about here. He says, he who hears my word and believes in him. He's talking to you and to me today. Not to the people in the grave here. Not the dead. He's talking to you and me. Who's alive but dead in trespasses and in sins. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of the world. Look, just a quick Bible study out of this verse. Okay, There's three things against the child of God in those verses. Have you noticed? Look. He says you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of the world. The world is against the child of God. It's against you. The places of the world. It wants to keep you dead. Oh, I'm alive. I'm young. I'm enjoying life. Look at me. I'm earning a lot of money. But you're dead. You're a zombie. You're a walking dead. Thank you for that word, Andrew. I'm going to use it now. (laughs) The world is trying to keep you there according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan. He's against you. Did you know that? The Bible talks about him walking around like a roaring lion trying to devour you. He's against you. And then he goes on, the spirit who works into the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. And also you've got the flesh against you. Paul says, the things I want to do I don't do and the things I don't want to do I do. Is that you? Well, that was Paul. I'm not going to put up my hand in church now. Everybody might think, oh, what is he doing? What's she doing? No. You see, what Jesus is talking about there, this first reason, he talks about the dead sinners, the ones who's dead in trespasses and sin, who's before the cross. He says, to you, I can make a life. Why? I can give you everlasting life. He says, Moses, surely I said to you, the hour is coming now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. It's us again. It's not the graves. They will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. 
And authority was given to execute judgment. Now look at this. He says the Son of Man because He is the Son of Man. You remember when we went through the names of Christ? What is the Son of Man? It's the link between heaven and earth. He is the one who connects heaven and earth. Now, he talks about the resurrection. There's two resurrections that I want to touch on now. And look, this is a study which goes way... I can actually do part two, three, and four about the resurrections. But I'm just going to follow Jesus' words here. He says in John 5, verse 28, Do not marvel at this. Marvel at what? Marvel at what I just told you here. And look, this is a big concept for a lot of people. They don't understand this. Now these Pharisees are standing there. They want to kill him. They want to judge him. He just put himself equal with God. Now he talks about making somebody alive from death. He says, do you think, do you honestly think, for me to tell this man to pick up his bed and walk, do you think that's big? Let me tell you about a resurrection of life. And this is what he's talking about. That's why he says, do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Can you see this? Look, when he's talked about these dead, they were not in the graves. It's you and me. It's you and me. But now he talks about those who died already. Who's now in the graves today. He says, for those who are in the graves will hear his voice. Not only are you hearing his voice today, but they will hear it. But it's a different voice. Today he's calling you to salvation, to repentance. For them it's going to be a call to judgment. Look, you can't, there's no second chances. I want to make it clear today, there's no second chances here. You give your heart and life to the Lord while you're alive, not when you're dead. There's two differences here, and it's a vast difference. You know, I hear all of these people say there's purgatory, or you can pray for the dead, or you can baptize the dead. That's all rubbish. It's all nonsense. Yet there are so millions and millions of people who follow that. And they say, hey, if the crowd follows it, it must be right. Yes? No. There's two. And now he says, the time is coming when those in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection. Now let's talk about this resurrection of life. Paul explains it a little bit better, not better, he explains it more in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says the following in verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant. Do you know that there's a lot of people ignorant about what I'm talking today about? Look, I want to suggest to you this morning, if you walk into any church this morning, Christian church this morning, and you ask them about the resurrection, they will look at you and go, like a fish in a bowl, what are you talking about? But it's there for you and for me to know. It's Jesus' own words. If it wasn't important, He wouldn't have mentioned it. And here He talks about it. He says, But do not be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. It's the same as the people in the graves. And look, there is not a soul sleep. Let me just quickly correct that. When they spoke in those days, when He said fallen asleep, it means you're dead. But your soul is still alive. Your body is dead. If you truly go to the body, I've I've been with corpses, I've been to people who's died. I've been there when they passed on from, you know, the last breath. I've been there, I've been with somebody. And honestly, 
when they pass out of this body, when the, when the soul leaves the body, it, it looks as if they are sleeping. Yes? This is why. But they are dead. And the body goes to the grave. He says, for those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He says, no, there's hope here. Let me explain it for you in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Come on, let me see. Just shake your head. Do you believe? Yes. If you believe that, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, man, I am going to preach one day on, on, on the rapture. I believe in the rapture of the saints. And it's not an easy escape. You know, somebody who talks against it, they go, Oh, you people preach about that. You want to escape that. You want to cause problems and then have a quick escape. I say, man, there's so much more about it. And maybe if you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus, you'll be part of it. He says, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus or those who are dead. Where is He coming from? He's coming from heaven. He's coming from above. And with Him, with Him He brings those who are dead. Where are you going when you die today before the rapture? I don't know about you, but I'm going to heaven. I'm going up. And you know what's going to happen, dear friend? If I go before you and the rapture happened just after I've went, I'm going to come with him to come and get you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that exciting you or what? doesn't matter whether you die today or you die tomorrow in from five or ten years' time. He don't care me. I'm coming with him or I'm going to him. One of the two. You pick. No, you can't. He decides. And he says it here. Now he continues on. He says in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are dead, who are asleep. For the Lord himself, this is Jesus, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. First. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you've got loved ones who serve the Lord, they will be raised first. Praise the Lord. You see how it happens? The body comes out of the grave and the soul comes from heaven. Yes, they will rise. Then, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpatsu, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Is that a comforting word that I just gave you? Now can you tell me that I have to go through tribulation? That's a different message. Let's continue. I haven't got time for that right now. But that's a, that's a different message. Look, it is, that's not only to Timothy. He writes to, he writes to the church in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. Paul again. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. For some people this is truly a mystery. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put, be put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortal, Im, immortality. A body that is disease-free. A body 
that is pain-free. Whew! What a, what a relief is that? I don't know, Andre, maybe a body who's got a lot of hair. <laughs> Can we choose our own color? <laughs> Let's comfort one another with these things. The first resurrection he's talking about is the resurrection of life. Of life. Look at it uh, in verse 54. He says, So when this corruptible has put on the incorruption, and this mortal has put on the immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up. Death is swallowed up. Where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. I've highlighted that because that's a whole message in its own. Hopefully you write it down and go read up about it. He says, the sting of death is sin, evilness. And the strength of sin is the law. Can you see the progression? Why did he, you know, why did they write this in, in the Bible? Why did God inspire this? Remember, we're dealing with religious leaders here. He said, why are you taking up your bed on the Sabbath? Law. You see where it sits? The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Now let's talk, uh, let's have a look at Revelation uh, 20 verse 4. We go to the last book of the Bible and talk about this resurrection. Remember the resurrection of life. It's the first one that Jesus mentioned. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 4, He says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. They sat on them. And the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness, and to Jesus for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and has not received his mark on their foreheads and their forehands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But, but is a sharp contrast. Some lived and others not. But, the rest of the dead did not live again. The ones in the graves... You see, He's going to resurrect those out of... His voice is going to call them from the graves. But the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. What is the first resurrection? It's those. It is if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today and be born again, you will be part of the first resurrection. And you will live with Jesus Christ for a thousand years in His kingdom on this earth. And after that, a new heavens and earth. And you live with Him. You want to be part of the first resurrection? I would highly, highly recommend, not suggestion, recommend that you be part of the first resurrection. This is so serious that your whole future, not on this earth, depends on it. He says, Blessed and holy is He who is part of the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests and of, God and, uh, of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. They'll reign with Him. The first one that Jesus was calling was this one. He said, those who have done good 
to the resurrection of life. Now we talk about the resurrection of condemnation. Let's finish with that. John 5 verse 28. Jesus still talking. He says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming, in which you are, those in the graves will hear His voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Remember when I said that word is the word crisis? Crisis? And it's an absolute crisis if you find yourself there. And let me show to you why I say so. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life. Look, this is the white throne judgment seat of God. In verse 12, and the dead were judged. This word for judged there is a condemnation judged. These people were judged in condemnation according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Oh, but wait a minute, God, I gave away my life as a missionary. But you were not saved. I gave all of my goods away. But you were not saved. You didn't bow to the cross. That was great works. And you know what the people on the earth, on the newspapers would have said? This person is the most, you know, the biggest person who gives away everything for everybody. But he's not saved. This is the works here. According to their works. Good and evil works. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to suggest to you that you and I, who are blood was born, children of God, will not appear before this judgment seat to be judged for condemnation. You say, where do you get this? Well, when I read in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him, to Jesus Christ. How are we well-pleasing to Him? But when He calls us, our soul to repentance, we repent. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb and we live a life acceptable to Him. Well pleasing to Him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is in Greek the Bema seat. And the Bema seat, what happened is if you appear before the Bema seat is not for condemnation. It's a judgment of accreditation of well done, good and faithful servant. For the works done after the cross of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or whether bad. You see, dear friends, when we go back to that second resurrection he was talking about, the resurrection of condemnation, you've got one or two paths here. You can be part of the resurrection of life, 
or the resurrection of condemnation. That's what he's talking about here. It is a critically important, as I said, decision that each one needs to make. Oh, but my wife served the Lord. Surely that counts for something. You haven't bowed to the cross. Oh, but my husband, you haven't bound to the cross. Oh, but my parents, you haven't bound to the cross. You will know. You will know when you come before this judgment. There's a judgment that takes place. I've got one more question to ask, and that is, where are you going to appear? You say, but can I know? Yes, you can. If we look into the letters of John at the end, he says, these things are right so that you may know that you have life. You can know that you have life. And then in John chapter 16, 14 verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to be part of the resurrection of life? Jesus Christ is the way. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to the resurrection of life. He's the only one who can save you. So why not commit your heart and your life to Him? You say, I've done that, and I say, praise the Lord. It is wonderful. But He's also talking about works done after the cross, yes? He's also going to ask you as a child of God at the Bema seat, He's going to say, what have you done with this grace that I've given you? It's important, friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,